welcome to our Kingdom Culture Podcast. For today's message, we are thankful for what God is doing through this podcast to encourage and transform lives around the world. If you have a story to share about how God has encouraged or transformed your life through this podcast, we would love to hear about it by emailing us at mystory@kingdomculture.ca. If you would like to support this ministry financially to help us bring messages like this to you every week, you can do so online at kingdomculture.ca at the give option. We also would love to connect with you on our social media, on Instagram and Twitter at KC Ottawa and Facebook at Facebook slash Kingdom Culture Ottawa. We pray that you would experience God today and be encouraged through today's message. Enjoy. Hey, Kingdom Culture family. Happy Sunday. So thankful that you are here with us again online. Welcome. Stay connected in the chat. Hit the like button. Share this with your friends. If you're watching on Facebook, let us know how we can pray for you, how we can support you in this season. And uh, I'm just thankful that as a church body, after 23 months, not only are we still coming at you online each week, we are also in our third week of in-person experiences as well. And like I said, it's been 23 months. And so we have two separate things that we're offering right now, two separate forms or expressions of our Sunday experience that's online, a shorter one, and then in-person. So if you're local and you feel comfortable coming, coming out, please join us on Sunday at Overflow Brewery Company in auto. We'd love to see you, but if you don't feel comfortable and you're abroad and or you are living abroad, stay tuned online. We'll still be doing this this way online for the foreseeable future. And so we're excited about what God is doing in this season. We feel like we're in a relaunching phase and we just relaunched or just launched, sorry, uh, a brand new teaching series on Sunday starting last week called Peace. When it feels like chaos. Peace is what we need. Peace is how we need to walk and live when it feels like chaos. And last week's message, if you have not heard it, we talked about this idea of how we are to hold it and hold our peace when we are in these Red Sea type moments where it feels impossible to move forward. And we spoke out of the story of Exodus chapter 14 where Moses lifted up his hand and he parted the Red Sea. And uh, we're going to continue on this track. And I want to just bring you back even a few more weeks prior to this where we talked about the pillars of building. Because this whole peace series really is about living kingdom life and the aim to live out and walk out kingdom life. And so Romans 14 to from uh, verses 17 to 19, we this was our, our sort of our core, um, one of the main core uh, ch- passages out of that message, Pillars of Building, which I would encourage you to listen to. It says this, for the kingdom of God is not a matter of what we eat or drink, but of living a life of goodness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Peace. Peace is such an important part of kingdom living. Not a matter of what we eat or drink. It's not about just the external stuff around us, our external behaviors, but it's a matter of goodness, which is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. We want peace to be at the forefront of everything we do, everything we build, everything we touch. We want peace to be there. And uh, and so we're going to be continuing to unravel this, and we're going to dive into actually a passage of scripture 
that uh, we're gonna find some keys, I believe, to to manifest even more and live out even more this life of peace. Mark chapter four, verse 35, okay? Mark chapter four, verse 35. I've probably spoken out of this passage at least four times in the last seven years. There was a season of my life where I literally meditated on this chapter for, for months. Mark chapter four, Mark chapter four, where, where, where Jesus is leading his disciples. He's teaching his disciples. He's teaching them principles of the kingdom. He's teaching them about what it means to sow and reap. And he's teaching them about what it means to live out kingdom life and to live from within. And he gets to this, the latter part of the story, and then he gives them an opportunity to manifest and practice everything he had just taught them. And so we pick it up in verse 35 to 41 of Mark chapter four, and it says this, on the same day when evening had come, he said to them, Jesus said to them, let us cross over to the other side. Now, when they had left the multitude, they took him along in the boat as he was, and other little boats were also with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves beat into the boat, so that it was already filling. And he was in the stern, asleep on a pillow. And they awoke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Then he arose and rebuked the wind, and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. Verse 40, but he said to them, why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? And they feared exceedingly and said to one another, who can this be that even the wind and sea obey him? Now, I want to talk for a few moments today from this subject, this idea of living from within, living from within, and really by looking up, by looking up to the one who is our help. Looking up really is a metaphor to looking towards Jesus beyond our circumstance. We see life like this. We see life from a horizontal perspective. But God who is higher, who is bigger, who is beyond our ways, beyond our thoughts, this idea of looking up beyond what we see in the natural. We walk by faith, not by sight. You cannot walk forward by looking up. But in the spirit and in kingdom life, that's how we walk. We walk forward by looking up. We don't look or walk by by sight, we walk by faith. And so I want to talk today about living from within and continuing from last week's storyline where Moses, he literally looked up to his help, help where his help comes from. He, he literally grabbed a hold of the word of God where he said God was going to use Moses to deliver the people. He's at the Red Sea moment. He had to look up. He had to live from within. He had to hold his peace, hold his staff up high to see the waters part so that he can walk through and lead through this impossible situation. So to live from within, we have to look up and then around. When we look up first, we get his perspective. Then when we see everything in front of us, we see things differently. They don't feel the same way anymore because we have his perspective. John 5, 19, Jesus modeled this for us. It says of, in John 5, 19, Jesus said, I only do what I see my father doing. I only do what I see my father doing. Every single day, Jesus, fully man, fully God, modeled this kingdom life for us in that he would see, get a hold of God's will and design for that day, and then he would carry it out. Jesus was not surprised. He was not surprised. His humanity felt stuff. His humanity felt compassion. But it's not because he was surprised. He knew the end. 
He knew the end because he had a perspective, a father's perspective, the father, God the father's perspective for his everyday life. And I want to share a story at the onset of this because um, it really speaks to the core of what we're talking about, not only for the series, but today's message that I believe the Holy Spirit's going to use to really encourage you. In 2009, um, you know, my wife and I were living in this three-bedroom apartment and, um, you know, we were, we were, had been married for several years at this point and um, we were pregnant, six months pregnant with our firstborn. And we, I remember we, in this season, it was around Easter time, my wife was rushed to the hospital because there was organ failure in her body. They were going to have to, there was supposedly an infection in her blood and they were going to have to deliver, promise, our firstborn premature. And it was a big ordeal we were rushed to you know the the uh the high, the high risk area of uh, of the hospital she was considered high risk and we ended up over the next several months spending over a month and a half total if you add it all up in the hospital and it was a crazy crazy season but i remember this weekend specifically uh around easter time and uh right before she was rushed to the hospital we were leading this uh event on the street this outreach event on the street um, and we had taken people through a six-week training course, my school, the School of the Supernatural, and uh, we, were, we were training people for six weeks and brought them onto the street for a three-day outreach. And uh, we had emptied, I remember at that time, we'd emptied our, 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 our not-for-profit at the time a bank account for the homeless. We emptied it all. We just blessed the homeless and did whatever we could to just bless the homeless, emptied it, it out. And I remember we were celebrating about all that God did at that event, all, all that God did on the street. It was amazing. And we had hundreds of people on the street, loving on people, uh, moving in the supernatural, healing the sick, loving the poor, you know, preaching the gospel, powerful things were happening. And we were celebrating that night at a birthday party, actually, kind of ended the day. And I parked my car downtown, downtown Ottawa in this parking lot. I won't mention the parking lot. And, um, we had all this stuff in like the 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 car, my car. I you know there was there was like my you know my bag, my laptop, my journals, all the stuff that I had just brought from the event, um, clothes, uh, lots of expensive stuff in the car. And I remember I parked the car. We were celebrating that night, and uh, this was right before my 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 wife was rushed to the hospital, probably like two days before. And so we were like, yeah, it's going to be amazing. And I remember that day and in that season, I kept feeling this, this sense of God wanting to manifest peace in the storm. And I actually had spoken out of that chapter at the event that same day. But that, that was the season that I was in. I was speaking like peace. God's going to give us peace in the midst of chaos, peace in the midst of the storm. Out of Mark chapter 4. This was back in 2009, okay, 13 years ago. And uh, so I remember we come out of the restaurant and I was, just, I was in this space. It was like, yes, God is amazing. God is doing amazing things. You know, the, the streets were awesome. God did amazing things on the street. And we walked to our car and I remember having this sinking feeling something was wrong. And I walked over to my car and I looked up over my car and, you know, like in those big cement um parking garages, you know, the, well, there's big cement beams everywhere, you know, and I looked up and right over my car, as I was walking to my car, was spray painted the word peace. So peace literally was over my car. Peace was literally over what was about to be chaos for me. And I walked to my car and I realized something was wrong. My change tray had been emptied out. The door had been scratched and was 
open and my car, everything was robbed. I lost everything. Um, and it was about over five and a half, it was like five and a half thousand dollars worth of stuff. I lost my journals. I mean, they got, they took my journals, like my personal, like spiritual journals, my Bibles, my laptop, which I had a whole school written that was not backed up and I lost it all, lost everything. It was, it was torture for me. And I remember I just feeling like, man, I, I, I was like, it was almost like God was warning me. I, I need you now to become the word. It's one thing to preach a word, one thing to say a word, one thing to talk about a word, one thing to even sense what God is saying. But then now you have the opportunity to manifest the word. God was speaking peace over my situation, peace over the chaos, peace over the storm that I was about to feel. I was about to feel it deeply. And I had an opportunity in that moment to manifest peace. Was it easy? Absolutely not. Was I... Uh, uh, in mourning for all the sentimental stuff. I didn't care about, you know, these, all the, the techie stuff that I lost. I cared about the sentimental stuff. They took my journals, like dreams that had been documented, words, stories that I can't even remember to this day because you just, you know, how do you remember everything that you've ever experienced, right? In your dream life and things like that. And so that was what was painful for me, but I had an opportunity to manifest peace in the storm. So I want to say this and prophesy over this, for over you all today that are listening, that God wants to give you peace in the midst of what feels like chaos. He wants to give you peace in the midst of what feels like confusion, in the midst of what feels like fear, disappointment, discouragement, uh, uncertainty. He wants to give you peace. Peace is over your life. The vehicle speaks of your life, how you get from A to B. The vehicle speaks of your destiny, your purpose. God wants to give you peace over your purpose, peace over the unknowns in your life. It's been spray painted. It's there. God has promised peace. It's the warning that when you are moving into a situation that's hard, peace rests over you because Jesus is within you. And so, you know, John 10 verse 10 says this, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy, but I came that you may have life and have it abundantly. That word for abundantly means super abundant. I mean, abundant life looks like peace. I want a peaceful life. An abundant life looks like peace. Peace looks like an abundant life. To be able to, to grab a hold of the, the nature of God, the redemption of God in the midst of what feels hard is, is a reflection of you living from within, living that peaceful life. We're talking about, like I've said over and over again, living from within. Luke 17 verse 20. Luke 17, verse 20. Now, when he was asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, he answered them and said, Jesus said, the kingdom of God does not come with observation, nor will they say, see here or see there. For indeed, the kingdom of God is within you. The kingdom of God is within you. Everything you need is within you. Jesus even said, he has a promise in John 14, 27. I'm gonna leave you peace. I'm gonna leave you everything that you need to live from within, but all you have to do is keep your focus upwards, vertical. Don't focus on the chaos right here. Focus on my perspective so that you can manage the chaos and move through the chaos and live within it and not be affected by it. And so this is so key as we move forward in this, in this season. Living from within is how we walk out that peace and we cannot forget we cannot forget that it's not about what we can do to make peace happen. It's about what he has already done that makes peace happen. He is the source 
of all peace, the eternal peace that we're talking about. Jesus said in John 14, 27, I'm giving you peace, not as the world gives, not temporary, but I'm giving you an eternal peace. I am the epitome. I am the doorway to eternity. What I give you has eternal value, not temporal value. I'm not giving you as the world gives you. So I'm not talking about getting some sort of moment moment of peace to overcome your situation. I'm talking about having an eternal perspective, knowing that you have the assurance of what the end looks like to help you manage the temporary within your life and all the things that are going on. So I want to outline four statements slash points promises that we notice in this passage of Mark chapter four. And of course there are more. I'm just going to outline four. I'm just going to outline four. And every time I have preached from this passage, I'm always looking at it differently because this is kind of what scripture is like. It's like an onion. You peel back one layer. You think you got it. There's another layer. There's another layer. There's another layer. It's a never ending cycle. You can't just read scripture. You have to study it, get into it, become it. The goal for you, the goal that God has for you is that you would become the word made flesh. You would literally live out the words of this book. You'd live out healing. You'd live out abundance. You'd live out a prosperous soul. You'd live out healthy community. You'd live out all these things that the Bible, the word of God promotes for our lives that you would live it out. You'd become the manifestation of those words. Kind of like what I see in Ezekiel chapter three. God said to Ezekiel the prophet, eat the scroll that I give you. Because until you eat the words, until the words become ingested and digested, you will not be an effective prophet. Until you literally eat the word and it becomes a part of you on the inside, you cannot speak and become that effective mouthpiece and life that I have called you to become. And so we're gonna dive into four statements, points, promises that we notice in Mark chapter four. Let's go back to our passage. Mark chapter four, verse 35 says this key on the same day. Now, the reason why that's so important is because it was the same day that he had spent teaching the disciples, instructing them before he gave them an opportunity to manifest what he had just taught them. It's like on the same day, okay, you ate the scroll, You ate the message. It's in you now. Now it's time to activate. Now it's time to use what you've got. It's so important. If you don't use what you've got, you'll lose what you've got. If you don't use what you've got, it's like the seed staying on top of the soil. The birds come and take it away. But if you use what you've got, it's like the seed gets buried. It dies to itself. It gets watered. It gets sunlight and it grows. Once it grows, it takes root. Once it takes root, it's a lot harder for the birds of the air, speaking metaphorically, to take that thing that has grown now and it's gained roots, it's gained traction, it's gained strength. This is the goal of revelation. If God gives you a revelation, his goal is to get it to turn into transformation. It can't just be information. If it stays as revelation, it's simply just more information. But revelation when it's real revelation, will turn into transformation because you understand that by revelation, for this to actually be what it needs to be for your life, it actually has to get watered. It has to be activated in your life. So on the same day that Jesus had been teaching the disciples these key kingdom principles to learn how to live from within, they were tested. It says this, when evening had come, he said to them, let us cross over to the other side. Number one, very key statement, he said it. Write that down. He's said it. If he said it, you can trust that he will fulfill the promise. What's the promise here? He said, let us cross over to the other side. He did not say, let us die in the middle. He did not say, let us give up in the storm. He did not say, let us just get to the storm without giving an end result. He said, let us cross over to the other side. Jesus 
was there with them, let us together cross over to the other side. But they realize this, this is the thing. When God calls you to go somewhere, he often never tells you what's going to happen to you in the middle. Because if you knew what was going to happen to you in the middle, you may not want to go at all. If you knew what was going to be tested in you, or if you knew the kind of valley you were going to you know, fall into or pit you might fall into, you probably wouldn't want to go. Because you probably, in your mind, if you've had a previous experience, would be like, no, there's no way in hell I'm touching that kind of life again, doing that thing over again. That was too hard in the last season. So God gives us a promise, and then he always leads us into what feels like a contradiction. It's just the way it goes. Now, you may say, well, I'm not believing for that. Well, it's just the reality. If you want to grow, there's going to be some stretching, okay? If you <laughs> if you want to mature, there's going to be some dying to yourself, so that more of you uh, uh, can, uh, the more of the part of you that would stop you from moving forward, because often you're the, you're your own worst enemy. You know, we talk about the devil trying to get us, steal, kill, and destroy, like we see in John ten verse ten. You know, circumstances trying to get us, but often we're our own worst enemy. So every time God leads us somewhere, a part of us that would be a distraction or a deterrent to us has to continue to die. And I'm speaking, like I said, metaphorically here. But he said it. Powerful statement, powerful promise. Whatever he says, you can trust. And he says, let's cross over to the other side. At the onset of this, he promises that there is another side of the story. There's always another side of the story. And that's why it's so important to hear both sides of the story. If you only hear one side of the story... If you only hear one side of the story, you will not be able to have a balanced perspective of the truth if you only hear one side of the story. Often this is like in conflict, for example, you need to hear both sides of the story. You can hear one side of the story and if that's all you hear, you will be hyper-focused on that and will miss out on the other side of the story. There's always another side of the story with God, you know, and God said, let's cross over to the other side. You can stay on this side, but you're going to miss the moment. You're going to miss the middle. You're going to miss the breakthrough. You're going to miss me revealing myself to you. If you only want to hear one side of the story and you only want to stay on this side and don't want to come with me, you're going to miss out on powerful transformation type experiences in life. And that's why it's so important that we continue to seek balance in our life, hearing. I'm talking now, now I've shifted the focus here for a second. Even in community, you always want to find balance in the sides of the story so you're not torn apart. Because if you only hear one side of the story, you're always going to be missing out on life. So I want to break this down for a second. I love this. And I've uh, every time I've pro spoken on this message, I will always focus in on this. Um, this. This word here in the Greek, when you break it down, when it says in Mark chapter 4, verse 35, he said to them, very powerful. Well, what's so powerful about he said to them? I mean, he just said it. That word for he said or says literally can mean lay down to sleep or laying an argument to rest, bringing a message to closure or moving to a conclusion. But I love this definition of lay down to sleep. He's, la he's laid down the argument to rest. In other words, there's no argument here. If I said it, there's no argument. It's going to happen. If I said we're going to cross over, we're going to cross over. I said it. It's going to happen. It is a promise. There might be contradiction in the middle. There might be challenges in the middle. You might even doubt what I said, but I said it, so it's going to happen. This is the amazing thing about God. When he says something like this, you can be rest assured that you will make it through every single 
time. What is God saying to you in this season? What has God said to you in this season? Maybe you're in the middle. Maybe you feel like you're in a storm right now. It's dark. Can you remember, think back to what he said? Did he say you'll make it? Well, if he did, you will make it. I love this definition though, because it actually means lay down to sleep. What was he doing in the boat? He was laying down to sleep. He was literally manifesting the very word, his own words. He was manifesting. I'm laying down to sleep. I've laid this argument to rest. I am going to rest based upon what I said, because I know we'll make it. I promise you, we'll make it to the other side. There's another side of the story. There's another side of your story right now. Maybe your marriage is falling apart. Maybe, you know, your business is falling apart. Maybe you're in a massive transition. You feel like you're in the middle. There's always another side of the story. You will make it. It feels confusing. God, am I going to drown? Like, these were seasoned, trained fishermen. Is this the end for me? But wait a minute, did God say for you to make this move? If he did, you'll make it through. If he led you to it, he will always lead you through it. This is a promise. He said it. He's going to bring it to conclusion. This is what it means. I remember back um, in, it was probably about 18 years ago now when I had moved to Alaska. Before I moved to Alaska, I lived there on the beach for several months, powerful uh, season of my life. And I never thought I would ever live in Alaska. It was such a random thing. But rewind even before all this, before I even ever thought of the potential or possibility of living in Alaska, I, um, I, I, was, I was living in Minnesota at the time. And I was traveling with these uh, two amazing leaders that have been powerful influences in my life to actually perform my wedding. And, and I had led teams with them down to Mardi Gras for seven years and uh, really connected to their ministry. And they mentored me in the very beginning of my journey. I moved there when, actually when I was 19, traveled the, uh, around North America, Central America, and Canada with them and uh, for about a year and a half, actually, and really changed and altered my life, put foundation in my life. And um, I remember I was coming to the end of what was an internship at the time, and I remember it was May, it was May 26th, I wrote it down in my journal, and um, I, I was praying, I was praying, God, like, should I come back for like a, another year with them? and intern again, and I was praying, and I felt the Holy Spirit speak this so clear to me. He said this, Sean, he said, you will not go back with them next year, but when you go to Mexico, because I had a plan, I had a trip plan, a missions trip plan to Mexico in July, this was May, okay, and I was going in July, he said to me, he said, Sean, you will not go back with them next year as an intern, but when you go to Mexico, you will be, this is how he said it to me, you'll be hooked up with a three-month prophetic training program wait for me and it will happen. That was just like that. That was that. I wrote it down on my journal, like word for word. I'll be hooked up with a three month prophetic training program. Now, like, what is that? This was before, um, or actually around the time when I started developing my first school of the supernatural. And, uh, I, I, I was just like, what is that? Like a three month prophetic training program. Is that like me? Like I'm being trained or my training? Like, what is that? I, I didn't understand it at all. And it was going to happen in Mexico. So now fast forward, I'm in Mexico in July of that same year. And we're, you know, amazing things are happening. The night comes, we're at this like hotel in the pool at night. And I'm hanging out with these guys who were on the trip as well from Alaska, who I'd never met before. And we're just hanging out, we're chatting and uh, kind of connecting. This is just after some of the crazy meetings that we were having in Mexico and God moving. And the next morning at breakfast time, after I'd met these guys, the one guy who, who he owned this bed and breakfast on the beach in Homer, Alaska, actually, uh, you know, we are such a powerful moment. He, he was talking to me and he's like, Sean, you know, I've been praying. I, I have this sense in my heart 
and I'm hearing the word three months. And he said, um, you know, I, I'll pay for your, I'll, I'll pay for all your expenses. Um, you know, pay for you to get down here, you know, pay for all your food. You can stay with me, have your own room on the, literally on the beach in, on the ocean, on the beach in Homer, Alaska on the coast. And we'll do three months of prophetic training and we'll bring teams onto the streets and uh, yeah, we'll just see God move. We'll see what happens. And I was like, what? I'm like, this is crazy. Got my journal. I'm like, look, May 26th, God said to me, when you go to Mexico, you'll be hooked up with a three-month prophetic training program. He even used the words prophetic training and even talking about developing like a program to like bring people onto the streets. And so I'm like, I knew this was God. He said it. He said it. I had no idea how it was going to happen. I had no idea. Like, like this doesn't even make sense to me. Often what makes no sense to you makes the most sense to God. And if God said it, he's laid the argument to rest, it will happen. And sometimes the problem with this, it will happen idea is that we think it's always going to happen in our timeline. In this specific area, time or moment, God spoke to me a specific timeline and it happened. And, uh, so uh, I, I am so, so thankful that I got to move through that and experience that. And I just want to encourage all of us. There's things like that that God has spoken to us. He said it. Believe, keep doing your thing, and let God do his thing. Number two, he's got us. He's got us. God's got us. If he said it, he's got us. Mark 4.35. Remember this. There's a, let me highlight this phrase. Let us cross over to the other side. Let us. It wasn't, hey guys, cross over to the other side. It wasn't like, hey guys, have a good time. Go ahead, you're good. It was like, no, let us. I am going with you. I'm going to be with you in your storm. I'm going to be with you in your boat. Let us cross over. We're together in this. Team Jesus, literally, we're together. This is how everything in kingdom life looks like. He is with us. We are co-laboring with him. We are co-heirs with him. We are citizens of the best kingdom, the citizens of heaven. We're ambassadors. We represent, but we're with him. We're side by side with him. This is this was this, this was the spear, literally. The last thing that took place on the cross was the spear going into his side, symbolizing the walking side by side that we would have with Jesus as co-heirs, co-laborers in Christ with Christ. This is the promise. We're walking with together in this. We're in union together, side by side, just the same way that it was out of Adam that Eve was created, symbolizing this walking side by side in union together. Okay, he's got us. He's with us. He's got you because he is with you. His promise was together. And I think, isn't that so comforting? That God never calls you to do things without him. God never says, go ahead but I'm not going with you. Like, I am going with you. I am with you. If I've promised you, if I've told you to do it, I am with you. Um, either, either way, he's omnipresent. He's always with us no matter what. Even in our dumb decisions and our crazy things, our craziness, he's still with us. Doesn't mean he's supporting it, but he's still with us. It's the good thing. It's the good news of the gospel. It's the better covenant that he does not leave us or forsake us. He's not leaving us because of our bad behavior. He's with us. He's made his home within. It's been settled. It's been settled, but we all still must journey the journey of storms. We're, we're, we're not going to ever live a life without storm seasons. That's just the reality. The difference is with kingdom, 
we have the answer and the solution and the ability and the strength in God to move through those storm seasons. Why do storm seasons never stop? Because we live in this world. We're not of the world, but we live in the world. We don't have to be affected by the world, but we still live in the world. And there are still metaphoric storms, spiritual storms in our life. I can't tell you how many times, how many times I've been led to do something. And at times I have felt like, is God with me in this? I really felt like you led me to do this because this is how the disciples felt, right? Whether or not they noticed the nuances of what he said, hey, let us cross over to the other side. I said it. Whether or not they understood that, they forgot in the moment. We forget. The storm hits, we forget. We forget he's with us in our boat. We forget. We're like, God, have you abandoned us? Like, I thought you brought me here. I thought I was supposed to do this. I thought this was supposed to happen. You know, this has happened many times with many big moves. The biggest moves in my family's life, in my personal life, the biggest leaps of faith, there's always been moments where I've questioned, did I miss it? I think it's just part of human nature and wrestling out fear. Because you're not, not going to not ever deal with fear. You're going to feel fear, but you're going to have the, ans the answer to move through the fear if you allow God to be still the leader while you're in the fear. And so I, there's so many big moves that we've done. I remember this one time, you know, I... I thought I maybe missed it. You know, we were raising a bunch of money at the church uh, near the end of the year. This was back in our old, old building. We were raising, I think it was like $130,000 in 30 days. And everybody thought it was crazy with where we were at that season. It's like impossible. How are we going to do that? And, you know, we were near, near the, it was supposed to be before December 31st. We were near the very end and we'd only raised, well, not even, not even close to, you know, what it was. I think it was like at that time, a little bit, uh, about a half, about half, and um, a little, maybe a little bit more over half of what we needed to raise. And it was like December 31st, and everybody's like, "See how I was right, you know? <laughs> we, Sean, you, you, you missed it. We missed it, you know." And I really felt like it was from God, and it was like He said it. I really felt like He said it. 130 and 30, and um, I remember like it was a stormy, stormy New Year's Eve, December 31st. I'm like discouraged. I'm like, it was an actual storm, like a really, really bad storm. My kids were sick. I'm like, it's a storm. I'm like, I thought God said, let us cross over. I thought God said by the new year, as we cross over to the new year, like this was the word 130 and 30. And I'm just like, I think maybe, maybe I missed it. I'm in the storm. I'm like, God, I'm like, are, were you with me in this? Like, did I miss it? And, uh, cause we always have to be open to that, that idea of, of missing it. And, uh, I remember I got a phone call, but I don't know, mid-afternoon from this 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 gentleman that at the time wasn't even really super connected to our community. He said, can I meet with you? And I'm like, you know what? In my mind, I'm like, it's a storm outside. I don't want to feel, I don't feel like going out. It's super cold. My kids are sick. It's New Year's Eve. Like, he's like, listen, let's just meet at a coffee shop for like 15 minutes. Just want to talk to you. And I'm like, okay. So I did it. And, uh, you know, I went to this coffee shop and long story short, at the coffee shop, he said, I really felt God spoke to me and he handed me a $50,000 check uh, for, for KC at the time. And it, I remember taking it and just shaking in the power of God, feeling the peace of God, feeling the, the joy of God, and also almost feeling the, a little bit of the conviction that there was a moment where I almost gave up and felt like God wasn't with me in that. And after that $50,000 check came in, basically the rest of the money came in in the next like several hours and we basically had what we had believed for 
right at the last second. And this is how often things happen in life. If God said something to you, don't expect it to happen always when you want it to happen. I would have loved for this to happen, you know, the last week of December or the last Sunday of December or in the middle of December. And like, you know, just like, wow, we, you know, God pulled through, but often God will stretch us right to the end to see if we'll still believe. And I feel like this was happening to the disciples. It's like they're in the storm. It's like, can you still believe when it feels impossible? Can you still believe? Because he said it and really it is settled, but can you still believe? Number three, write this down. Number three, he's giving us opportunity. Opportunity for what? He's always giving us opportunity. When we're trying to live from within, when we're going through stuff in life, it's really simply an opportunity to manifest peace, an opportunity to grow, an opportunity to believe in the impossible, opportunity to mature, opportunity to empower and encourage others. And the challenge is always taking what you hear and applying it. You know, you only are able to apply when you have an opportunity to apply. So here the disciples had been taught all these principles of the kingdom. Now it's time to move from principle to experience, principle to application, principle to activation. They were being taught so well, they had received power, they'd been given opportunity to now test this revelation. Now, now opportunity also, you know, expands to, like I said earlier, in, in just a moment ago, to empower and encourage others. Let's look at Mark chapter four, verse 36 and 37. Says this, now when they had left the multitude, they took him along in the boat as he was. And listen to this. Nobody often talks about this. I always highlight this. And other little boats were also with him. Where were the other little boats? No one talks about the other little boats. Where were they doing? Where were they? Did they drown? Did they give up? Were they watching? Were they observing? The other little boats hanging out. Like, <laughs> like how small were the other little boats? You know, they were there. They were in the same storm. And maybe that the picture is like they were all around and at the center was Jesus and his disciples. And they're, they're all like positioned around to watch what's about to happen. Here's the thing, you guys. When God, when God is teaching us to learn to live from within and we're taking through storms of life, he's giving us an opportunity not for only us to grow and deepen our roots of faith. Other people are watching how you manage storms. You know how many times... I have had people, and without even realizing it, like I'm just managing storms. I feel like there's storms all the time in various different areas of life. And people are like, man, like I've watched how you've navigated it. And I am so encouraged. I'm shocked because I'm like, I don't even know people are watching sometimes. I don't even have any idea sometimes that people are watching. And then I realize, hey, as long as I just take care of learning to live from within, I know But as a byproduct, I'm empowering others. I'm encouraging others by my lifestyle. I remember we had a metaphorical storm from the latter part of 2013 to 2014. Um, a lot of changes were happening and I had we had made the bold move um, as leadership to to basically put on pause basically every uh, not every but uh, the majority of the functioning ministries that were fruitful in the church at the time. And originally it was going to be for a shorter season, it ended up being for six months. And uh, we had put on pause and it was so controversial. Like if I could bring you back to the things and the, and the things that were said, yeah, we had the encouragement. Yeah, we had like, this is the right thing. 
It was temporary. We just felt like God wanted to rearrange some stuff, uh, you know, renew some stuff, revive some stuff, unify some areas of the house at the time that felt divided because there were so many things going on. And we had put on all this stuff on pause. I had people like yelling at me, pointing their finger. Yes, it's wrong. Da, 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 da. This is of the devil. I mean, it was crazy. But I remember like going through this six month season, really feeling like we had to do this, even though there was going to be some pushback and opposition. I had so many leaders. I remember coming, visiting our church at the time from around the city, from Quebec, from around Ontario, from even outside of Ontario. And I remember they'd come because we had one of, one of the, the ministers at the time actually had international and national attention and come and actually look at me and say, I am so encouraged by the boldness of what you've just done. I've been wanting to do this in my church for a very long time, but I just don't, I don't feel like I can. I feel scared. I feel like it's, I'm gonna lose, lose everything. It's gonna implode. And I had so many pastors and leaders encouraged by the bold step that we did took at that time, hearing from God to put these things on pause so that we could, you know, reconfigure some stuff. And all these other leaders were inspired then after they saw the aftermath of what took place to do the same. And that really encouraged me in the time. I think that of all the things and of all the trouble that happened in that time, it was voices like that that kept me going. The encouragement of like, oh, wow, I'm so inspired by this. That kept me going while it felt a little bit confusing, a little bit uncertain. Are we going to make it through this storm? Even though I felt like God said it, I'm still in the middle of it. And I had these people encouraging me because, but, but the thing is I was encouraging them and I didn't even know it. I can guarantee you, and I can't prove this, but my personal opinion, my personal guarantee, personal opinion is that these other little boats that we know nothing about, that I'm assuming didn't drown in the storm. When they got over to the other side, they were like, guys, that was amazing. Like, like even though you kind of missed it, and even though Jesus kind of had to save day and maybe you could have, you know, dealt with it yourself and manifested it and maybe you kind of, you know, failed in that area. Like we watched what happened. Like the revelation you guys must have right now is amazing. We, you made it through the storm. Like we're inspired. We're inspired. It's encouraged us. It's encouraged us to keep going. Number four, last point, he's our model. He's our model. But he was in the stern, asleep on a pillow, verse 38. And they awoke him and said to him, teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Then he arose and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, peace, be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm, a great calm. This word peace, be still means shut up <laughs> and be calm. Sometimes you need to scream or yell or even say quietly with authority and confidence, shut up to your storm. Shut up to the thing that's ruffling your feathers and ruffling and, and moving your boat around and filling your boat. Because remember in this passage, it actually says that the waves were actually filling the boat. Like they were filling the boat. I've been in the boats, or not been in the boats, I've seen the boats in Israel that it would have been at that time. They're not that big, not that big. How do you sleep in a storm? How do you, how do you sleep? What, like, what do you mean a pillow? Like, like you're soaking wet. How do you stay asleep in the storm? How do you manage it? Like they must have had to have been in the storm for quite some time to fear for their lives. These were trained seasoned fishermen. Think about the historical context for a second. They had been trained. They're used to storms. They must have been, must had been in the storm for some time. It wasn't like all of a sudden and in one second they're freaking out. Like, the water was coming in, the waves were crashing against the boat, they were rocking, they're wondering how are we gonna navigate this? Like it had been for some time and eventually they ended up waking up Jesus who was sleeping 
in their boat, but he was modeling something. Before he said shut up and be calm to the storm, before he said peace, be still to the, the, the storm, he was modeling what it looks like to live from within, to have peace within in the midst of chaos, where you have so much peace, you can actually spiritually sleep, spiritually rest in the storms of life. Waves could be hitting your face. Water could be hitting. You could be bounced around the boat. And somehow in the spirit, you can be still and know that he is God. Psalms 46.10. Somehow in the spirit, like Moses, you can hold your peace, lift up your hand, and see the metaphoric Red Sea waters part for you. And you can move through on dry ground. Somehow you can navigate the craziest of waters and still be at rest. This is my prayer for you. It's been my prayer for me that no matter what we face, no matter what we go through, that we can learn to sleep more and more in the storms. Not, not to, to neglect reality. This is, not a, this is not a let's escape reality. This is learning to live from within. I'm still present here, but I'm living from within. I'm finding peace within. Jesus was hoping. Jesus was hoping that they would manifest peace from within. What he did next was simply what they could have done, which is why he even modeled it there for them. Because there would be storms in their life that they would have to face, that eventually they would have to say, shut up to, be calm, be quiet. But Jesus was saying, listen guys, I'm teaching you a lesson, valuable lesson. To all the little boats around that are watching, Jesus as the Messiah, as the rabbi, as the teacher, is showing all of you what it looks like to walk through and navigate storms of life, sleeping in the bow of the boat, living from the kingdom or from within out, living, understanding the kingdom is within, the kingdom is peace, it's joy, it's righteousness in the Holy Spirit. He simply spoke out of who he was, Jesus. John 6, verse 33, it is the spirit who gives life, the flesh profits nothing, the words that I speak to you are spirit, and they are life. Why are they life? Because they come from the kingdom within. They come from the kingdom within. When Jesus speaks, it's life. Proverbs 18, 21, the tongue is the power of life and death. When you speak, if you speak from peace, you release life and peace into the atmosphere around you. Declaring his word releases the kingdom. Matthew 8, verse 16, when evening had come, they brought to him any who were demon-possessed, and he cast out the spirits with a word and healed all who were sick. How did he cast out the spirits? With a word. He released peace in the midst of the dark chaos within the individuals, and the demons would leave. Matthew 12, verse 28, but if I drive out demons by the Spirit of God, when the kingdom of God, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. Whenever he would drive out a demon, it was a sign that the kingdom of God was coming upon them. There was, a there was tangible evidence, a shutting up, so to speak, a calming, so to speak, that would come on because of the words spoken, releasing the darkness within, releasing light and the kingdom over a situation or over an individual. Now, this uh, Jesus is the greatest model. I think this, this is the key. This is one of the greatest keys to living kingdom life, but also manifesting peace, is understanding these four truths. Understanding these four things, he said it, he's got us, he's in our boat with us, he said, let us cross over. He's giving us an opportunity when we're in these situations. And remember, he's always our model. So look to him. What is he doing in the storm? What is he doing? What do you think Jesus is thinking right now about your issue? 
Is he up there like, oh my gosh, I'm so shocked and surprised that this is happening? No, he's got you. He knows the other side of the story. And even though he had to get up and deal with the issue when they were so fearful, it says in Mark chapter four, verse 40, and we'll close, why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? And they feared exceedingly and said to one another, who can this be that even the wind and sea obey him? They still had a modeled moment to learn from that even though he was sleeping and even though they probably missed it and that they were in fear after all they'd been taught, knowing they had the authority, knowing they had what they needed, knowing that he was in their boat, that he wasn't going to let them down. He still tried to help them grow through their fear. And when you grow through your fear, you go through your fear. If you're open to be taught while you're in fear and sometimes being in a healthy way rebuked while you're in fear, not only will you grow through it, you will be able to go through it. He says, why are you so fearful? How is it that you still have no faith? You have a little bit of faith. After all that I've taught you, how is it that you have no faith? I was modeling what it looked like to have peace in the storm. And they feared exceedingly, verse 41, and said to one another, who can this be that even the wind and sea obey him? In this moment, they had one, they, they went, they had one more big long root that shot through the ground cementing their faith in Jesus. Who can this be that even the sea and the wind obey them? Obey him. They were fearful because they were looking up. They Because they weren't looking up. They were fearful because they were looking down at the situation. They were fearful because they were not trying to live from within, from everything God put in them. And because they were not living from within, they were manifesting that by focusing on the ways, by focusing on what was happening. They weren't looking up, they were looking around at their situation, the challenge, their problem. But all they had to do was stop and remember who's got them. And this is the key to peace. What you gaze at, you empower to lead your life. I wanna pray with you right now, wherever you are, if you're listening after the fact, listening online, listening um, on the podcast, wherever you're listening from, watching from, Right now, where you are, just open up your heart right now, just for a moment. Just open up your heart right now. Maybe some one of four of these statements that we made today is really hitting you. And it's reminding you of a current reality that you're facing, current reality that you're living. I want to pray with you that you would make it through because you learn to live from within and not letting your outside circumstances dictate and guide you. So in Jesus' name, I just pray that you would pivot our attention or move our attention in the right direction in this season. And God, you'd give us perspective, heavenly perspective, supernatural perspective. God, I pray that you would deepen our root systems, that you would grow our faith, extend or expand our strength and our ability to believe for what you promised. You said it, so you've laid it down to rest. You're sleeping in our boat right now. We feel like it's chaos. We feel like we're going to drown, but the goal is to look up at you to see what you're doing. What it is, what are you doing? John 5.19, Jesus said, I only do what I see my father doing. So I want to model myself after what Jesus is doing, after what my father is doing in my situation right now. It's the prayer of Matthew 6, the kingdom of God as it is in heaven would touch our realm, touch our earth, touch our situation. So what does heaven look like? What does Jesus look like? What is his posture right now while I'm in this season? Is he sleeping in my boat? And if he is, I can find rest in that.
God, I pray that that would be something that you would reveal to all of us listening right now and watching in Jesus' name. Reveal it to us. What are you doing right now? Where are you in this season? How are you moving? What are you doing within us? Help us to learn to live from within by looking up in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you, Kingdom Culture. Thank you so much for tuning in. I hope this message encouraged you. We'll see you next week.